0: The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area.
1: Tonight I'm going to preach about, from, from Job, a message entitled, Hast Thou Considered Job? Let's, let's look at Job chapter 1 together. And I'll just read the first 12 verses. You can read along silently. There was a man in the land of Uz, not Oz, Uz, whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels and five hundred yoke of oxen, and five hundred she-asses, and a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. And his sons went and feasted in their houses, every one his day, and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so, when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them, And rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast thou... Not made a hedge about him, and about his house, and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we ask tonight that you would speak to our hearts, that you would instruct us. As often is the case, Lord, probably the people that are here are the, are the ones that least need to hear this message. But I, I do know, Lord, that there is no message ever preached from the word of God that does not benefit the child of God. So I know that tonight, even though I may preach things that do not trouble everyone in this room, I know that we will benefit and we will be blessed by hearing the truth of the word of God. So bless the preaching of your word tonight, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight, the times before us are uncertain. All around us, evil works to rob us of the heritage left to us by our forefathers corrupt governments greedy employers a depraved society which seeks to undermine all that we call righteous pornography promiscuity lewdness debauchery these have all replaced morality, honesty and integrity we live in a We live in a society where evil is considered good and good is considered evil. But is there anything new about that? The Bible tells us there's nothing new under the sun. Oh, in in these modern times, maybe some things are more accessible. Maybe some things are easier for you to get your hands on. But the fact of the matter is, there is nothing new under the sun. The same things that troubled Job in his day trouble us today. We know the wiles of the devil, the Bible tells us. He doesn't need new tactics. Why? Because the old tactics work just fine. The things that he used to trip up Eve still work on us today. Oh, we, we're so well educated today, aren't we? And, and technology has put all things at our fingertips, but we're still as foolish as they were in the days of Adam and Eve. As a matter of fact, Adam, Adam was probably a more intelligent man than any of us will ever be. So we see in this story that we just read, Satan. And Satan has gone before God, and he and God are discussing his servant Job. And though we live in these troublesome times, we should not be surprised by all the things that we face every day because the same devil that has always troubled man is still here today to trouble us. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, we read, This know also, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. So we we shouldn't be surprised by the the things that we we face on a day-to-day basis. We shouldn't be surprised by the attacks of, of the devil and by the by the, the, the forces of evil which work daily in our lives, our flesh and all the, We shouldn't be surprised by all of these things because we've been warned by Jesus that we would face them. And no matter what we face tonight, whether our circumstances are pleasant or grievous, we need to remember that God is always good. And God is always righteous. In Psalm 145, verses 8 through 10, we read, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord, and thy saints shall bless thee. Yes." The psalmist wrote, God is good to all, and he is good to all. Even, even the wicked, even those that do not deserve uh, blessings from God, <clears throat> he's good to even them. We we've said it this morning, uh, we, we read the verse in Sunday school, that God causes it to rain on the just and the unjust. And God is good to all. And no scripture epitomizes this truth better than those found in the book of Job. So with the time that we have tonight, allow me to make some observations from the life of Job. I don't have time, certainly don't have time to, to expound upon the entire <laughs> book of Job. It would, take, it would take several months of preaching to do that. But tonight I'm just going to, just going to share with you a few observations from the book of Job concerning uh, God and his goodness to us. First of all, Tonight I would like for us to consider the character of Job. The character of Job. Back in Job chapter 1, again, verse 1, there was a man in the land and the man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. So often I hear people complaining about the condition. our country. I'm sure that you do too. They talk about how much things have changed. And I I would have to say I agree with them. Uh, from From the time that I was a boy, 59 years ago till now, things have changed quite a bit. And there are some of you in this room who are older than I, you may not want to admit that, but you are. And you, as well as I, know the changes that have taken place in this country. And there have been a lot of changes that have taken place in America. And, and, and certainly, we do have some grounds for complaint concerning some of these things. But I must say that I think the thing that has changed the most, the thing that has changed the most in America is a lack of character. I'm talking about the character of people. The thing that I've seen change the most in my life is the character of man. Here we see the Bible states that Job was a man of upright character. He was perfect, the Bible tells us. Now, not in a sense of self, of sinlessness. Job was not sinless. We know that. He was not perfect in that sense. But rather, we should understand this to mean that Job possessed a righteousness that can only be found in in grace. He was a a saint. He was a child of God. He was an elect of God. And he, he possessed great character. But we also see the Bible states that he was upright. And this speaks to the morality of Job. He was a man... Not only a personal character, but a moral character. So much so, we read a moment ago, that he was concerned and he offered sacrifices daily on behalf of his children because he feared that his children might go out and do something wrong and might, might curse God in their hearts. He has such moral character. Job was an upright man. He, he was perfect. I'm so tired today. I'm so sickened today by the lack of morality in America. And nowhere is this more prevalent than in the television industry. Now, I'm not necessarily going to preach against television tonight, although that's a good thing to do. But I fear that many believers today are drowning themselves in the cesspool that is found in television. We see things on television that we would never do. We, most of you here, would never allow people with poor character to come into your home and sit down with your children and share their viewpoints and their opinions with them. You would not allow that. You wouldn't let a person like that into your home. Yet, through the television set, it happens every day. Our children are exposed to the, to the depraved morals of, of so many people. I could name names right now, not, not of anyone here, but I'm talking about the people on the television. I can name names, but I don't think there's any, any benefit in, in that. I think it suffices to say you should, not let, you should not involve yourself so deeply into the television industry. It's, it's ruined America. It's ruined it. It's it's torn apart the, the family structure and it's 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 crumbled our homes and it's crumbled our, our, our work environments and every other aspect of our lives. But I want us to notice also the Bible says that Job eschewed evil. Now this means that Job avoided evil, he shunned evil, he, he didn't he didn't involve himself in evil and, and he didn't associate himself with evildoers. He, he eschewed evil. Now, I understand and realize that we have to interact with people in our daily lives, but we need to be careful, as I, as I taught in Sunday school class this morning. One of the things that, that, that affects our conduct is our acquaintances, the people we associate with. And we must be careful. Job did not embrace evil. He did not avail himself to it. He forsook it. If Job were alive today, he would not involve himself in, in such practices. And and if we were perfect and upright as he, neither would we. Turn with me together in our Bibles to Psalm one hundred one. It's just Psalm is the very next book in the Bible. Let's just go right over to Psalm one oh one. And let's just read Psalm 101. I will sing of mercy and judgment unto thee, O Lord, will I sing. Now look at verse 2. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. O when wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. A froward heart shall depart from me. I will not know a wicked person. Whoso privately slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him that hath an high look and a proud heart, will not I suffer. Mine eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land, that they may dwell with me. He that walketh in a perfect way, he shall serve me. He that worketh deceit shall not dwell within my house. He that telleth lies shall not tarry in my sight. I will early destroy all the wicked of the land, that I may cut off all wicked doers from the city of the Lord. Now this is a psalm of David. And in this psalm, David vows that he will not associate himself and he will not be associated with evil. Job was a man of character. He was upright, he was perfect, he had morals, and he eschewed evil. He would not involve himself with things that did not glorify and honor the Father. And I fear that in America today, tonight, far too many of God's children are careless in this matter of their character. You know, my daddy always told me this. Now, my daddy was never a wealthy man. He, he worked hard and he, he provided for our family. But daddy, daddy wasn't a wealthy man. still isn't. And he always told me this. He said, son, I cannot leave you houses or land. I cannot leave you money. But what I can leave you is a good name. But what you do with that, is is your responsibility my daddy is a well-respected man in, in in our community he's a he's he's a very well-known man and daddy has always made sure that to, to check his character daddy's never my daddy's never been a dishonest man he's never lied to people i'm sure he's i wouldn't say he's never lied but you know what i mean he was a he was a contractor, he built homes. If someone had a complaint about a home he built, my daddy, if it if it took every penny he had, would make it right. What are you what are you doing about your character tonight? Now I know a lot of people who are characters. But what kind of character do you have? Consider hast thou considered Job? Have you considered the character of Job and and taken that as an example as to how you should conduct yourself? Oh, there's so much that could be said. But I'll leave it at that. So tonight, let us consider the character of Job. But then secondly tonight, I'd like for us to consider the challenge to Job. The challenge to Job. Back in Job chapter 1, hopefully you kept a marker there. Let's look at verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro and from walking up and down in the earth. And verse 8, And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? Now, we see the challenge to Job. In verses 9 through 11, Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made a hedge about him, and about his house, and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed, his works of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy faith. Job, uh, Satan told God, sure, Job is, a, is, a, is an upright man. Sure, he eschews evil. Sure, sure he does all those things because, because you've, you've put a hedge around him. You, you've, you've protected him and, and you've blessed him abundantly. What does he have to complain about? What does he have to worry about? Sure, he, he praises you. Sure, he blesses your name. But Satan said, put your hand against him. And he'll curse you to your face. Time does not permit me to discuss how that. Job's friends all assumed that he was going through this suffering. Because of sins in his life. And this is so common today. Many when they hear of a believer who is under trials. Often assume it is because they are not right with God. That there is some sin in. In their life. And you know that might be true. I don't know. I would imagine that sometimes we, we do receive chastisement from the Lord because of things in our life that need to be made right. But even if that is true, it's not your place and my place to to pass that judgment upon another person, is it? Can I remind you here that it was Satan who accused Job? It was Satan who challenged the motive of Job? Oh, we better be very careful here. Be very wary not to use your tongue to accuse another Christian, to question their motives, to to challenge their motives. Let me help you here tonight. If someone who claims to be a child of God comes to you, And begins to speak ill of another believer. Look them straight in the eye. And say, get thee behind me, Satan. Oh, you say, well, if I do that, they're going to get mad. Yeah, well, that's okay. They'll get glad again. Just tell them, get thee behind me, Satan. Why why would you say that? Because who's the accuser of the brethren? So when you start accusing your brother, who are you who are you imitating? Yeah. We're we're not to judge one another, are we? We're to love one another. And we're to pray for one another. Listen, if you hear of something befalling one of your Christian brothers, pray about that. Pray for them. Go to them. Help them. Do what you can for them. Be very careful about this matter of judging. Now, lest I I begin to judge others tonight, I'm certain that all of us are guilty of this at some point or another. It's so easy to be critical of another person, isn't it? Pride, arrogance, jealousy, greed. These are the characteristics that lead us down this pathway. And they're certainly not the fruit of the Spirit, are they? They're not the uh, the attributes of Christ, our Lord, whom we are to imitate. As Job faced a challenge, and you will face challenges too in your life, and I will face challenges in my life. But we need to remember that Christ has given us the victory over, over this attitude of being judgmental. He's shown us the path to take. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29, we read, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Oh, yeah, Job's friends came to him and they said, well, Job, it's because of all those shady deals that you've done. That's why you're going through all of this. Well, Job, it's because of that pride in your heart, Job. You think you're so much better than everybody else. That's why you're going through all of this. But the fact is, Job was not facing these challenges because of sin. In fact he was facing them why because of his righteousness you know sometimes you and i will face trials because we're 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 trying to live a godly life he that the bible tells us that he that will live godly shall suffer persecution not might not maybe will You try to live a righteous life and you're going to suffer persecution. You're going to face trial. You're going to face trouble. You see, Job wasn't enduring all of this suffering because God was angry with him. Just as you and I he was facing these trials and tribulations that God warned him that he would face. God has warned you and I that we will we will face persecution. We will we will face trials. We will face tribulation. So be warned tonight, dear brothers. When you, you will face challenges throughout your life on this earth. And those challenges may come from, from areas that you least expect. In Matthew chapter 10, the Bible says, And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death, and the father, the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents, and cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Oh yes, we know the challenges will come. The question is, when they do come, how will we handle them? Well, that goes back to character. You see, we have to have character to handle trouble correctly. So this brings me to my next point that we have to consider tonight. And this is number three. I want us to consider the commitment of Job. Not only only the character of Job. And not only the challenge to Job, but thirdly, we must consider the commitment of Job. Back in Job again, chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. We read, Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. Now that's his wife's counsel. Folks, it doesn't get much lower than that, does it? I mean, here you are, you're on the ash heap. You got elephantitis. You got huge boils all over your body. And you have a piece of broken pottery. And you're you're scraping them, cutting them open to relieve the pressure, to ease the suffering that you're going through. It's not a pretty picture, is it? And you're going through all of this, and you've got your friends over here who are, who are railing on you. Yeah, you know, if you wouldn't sin so much, you wouldn't be there, you dirty dog. And here comes his wife, and he looks over, and he thinks, oh, my wife, my wife's going to come and comfort me. And she walks over to him and says, curse God and die. I'm sick of you, Job. Get it over with, would you? Wow. What a, what a, what a fix to be in. But what did he say? He said unto her, thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. Now, let me translate for you in, in common vernacular. He said, are you an idiot? That's, that's what he's saying. That's really what he's saying. He says, what? Shall we receive good at the hand of God? Shall we not receive evil? And all of this, Job did not sin with his lips. Look at, look at the character of Job. Listen, I've, I've known people, I've known Christian people who've gone through far less than Job and they curse God. Because God didn't give them what they want or what they think they should have. They get angry with God and they forsake God. and they. Job, the character of this man is unbelievable. And the commitment. This is where many Christians fail today. How many of you know that song, I'm so happy? I'm so happy and here's the reason why. Jesus took my burdens all away. Now I'm singing as the day goes by. Jesus took my burdens all away. Well, you know what? This modern prosperity-driven Christianity, this is what they sing. I'm so happy and here's the reason why. I have a high-paying job. I'm so happy, and here's the reason why I made my mortgage payment this month. Huh? I'm so happy, and here's the reason why I just got a clean bill of health. Well, let me tell you. If your joy is found in your job, if it's found in your house, if it's even found in your health, you're in for a big, big fall. In one day, in one 24-hour period, Job lost his servants. They were all taken captive and taken away. He lost his sheep. He lost his cattle. He lost his donkeys. His crops were all burned with fire. And all ten of his children died. And one day, a storm came, they were all together in one house celebrating, and a storm came and blew down the house and killed all ten of his children. And this all happened in one day. He was standing there, and one servant came running to him and said, "Uh, uh, some people came by, and they burned your crops, and they stole your servants, and... And they, they stole all of your sheep and your cattle and all of these things. Another servant comes and says, oh, this happened and all of this happened. And then another servant comes and says, your kids are all dead. And it's all happened in one day. So what was his response? How will Job demonstrate his commitment to God? Oh, I know. He, he must have looked at his wife and said, That's it. That's it. If this is the way God is going to treat me, then I'm just, I'm out of here. That's it. I'm done with God. Is that the way he he reacted? No. Job chapter 1. Look with me. Job chapter 1. Look at verse 20. After all of this news comes to Job. We read, then Job arose and rent his mantle. That doesn't mean he went out and bought a suit. That means he tore his clothes. And Job went out, then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Now, there's a good chance I'm going to get somebody mad here tonight. But you listen to me. I'm talking about commitment. Commitment is the trait of sincere and steadfast fixity of purpose. I am so sick and tired of the lack of commitment that we find in the church today and God's people. I'm not talking about unsafe people. I'm talking about God's people. Job purposed, he committed to serve and trust the Lord, regardless of the circumstances in his life. Daniel, the scripture tells us, purposed in his heart not to compromise his principles because of his circumstances. David could have hid behind the rocks like all the other men of Israel and avoided Goliath, but he was committed to God and was not going to allow circumstances to keep him from doing what he knew was right to do our churches across america tonight lie many of them lie in waste because people will not commit to god everything else comes first we have we have placed money we have placed education we have placed jobs. We have placed uh, entertainment. We have placed all these things ahead of God. Is it any wonder our children are growing up. And, and forsaking the church and the Lord. We've We have taught them to do that. In our own lives. Job lost everything. He became. He went from the wealthiest man in the east to the poorest man in the east and then if that weren't enough Satan wasn't satisfied with just taking away everything he had he went back to God and accused him further and God allowed him to go ahead and take away Job's health as well and now we see Job at the point probably of wanting to take his own wishing he could take his own life to ease himself of the suffering that he's enduring yet he never forsook the Lord He never cursed God. He never blamed the Lord. God is faithful to do all that He promised. Therefore, I can be faithful to commit my life to Him. He took care of Moses in the wilderness for 40 years. He fed the children of God and He gave them water out of the rock. He took care of Daniel. In the lion's den. I wish I could have been there to see that. I wish I could have been there to see these ravenous lions starving to death and Daniel being cast into that den and watch them all get over in a corner and sit there and look at him with big puppy eyes. Because I'm sure that they were standing between Daniel and those lions, angels. With flaming swords, say, It's not dinner time, boys. God was faithful to Daniel. He took care of Elijah in the midst of a great famine. He sent ravens to feed Elijah. Then he had Elijah go to the widow's house. And she told Elijah, I've got just enough flour and just enough oil to make one little bitty loaf of bread. My son and I are going to eat that loaf of bread and then we're going to die. And Elijah said, okay, but make me one first. And as long as the famine continued, that widow went to that same barrel of meal every day and she scraped out just enough to make one more cake. And she squeezed that old cruise of oil and got just enough oil to make one more cake. Oh, yes, God, God is faithful. He took care of these men and he will take care of me. And he will take care of you tonight. Listen, I wish I could I wish I could help everyone understand this. I'm I'm nobody special, but those of you who know, I, I I've been through quite an ordeal the last several years. And the Lord has been so faithful and He's provided for my wife and I, and He's cared for us so much. And when I least expected it, God presented me with A wonderful blessing. But you know what? I don't rejoice in the job the Lord presented me. I don't rejoice. I rejoice in his watch care over me. I rejoice in the fact that he is faithful to me. That's what I rejoice in. Just commit to him. Commit to him and serve him in your church. And and, and make sure your children understand why you're doing it. Job was committed to God, and even if he had to die, he would not fail in this commitment. In Job chapter 13, we read, Hold your peace, let me alone that I may speak, and let come on me what will. Wherefore do I take my flesh and my teeth and put my life in mine hand? Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. This was Job's response to his friends. Even if God kills me, I will trust in him. We claim to trust God, but when the rubber meets the road, we quit. We forsake him and run away, just like, just like Jonah did. Tonight, I challenge everyone here to make and honor a commitment to God to serve him in the local church. You see, the church is, is Christ's bride. He, he loved and died for the church, and we are to love and serve and live for the church. From Job, we can learn a great lesson about character, about facing challenges, about commitment. But then, lastly tonight, I want us to consider, in this story of Job, the control of God. The control of God. Job chapter 42, verses 7 through 10. And it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My wrath is kindled against thee, and against thy two friends. For ye have not spoken of me the thing that is right, as my servant Job hath. Therefore take unto you now seven bullocks and seven rams, and go to my servant Job, and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering, and my servant Job shall pray for you, and him will I accept, lest I deal with you after your folly. And that ye have not spoken of me the thing which is right, like my servant Job. So Eliphaz the Temanite and Bildad the Shuite and Zophar the Namathite went and did according as the Lord commanded them. The Lord also accepted Job. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Uh, all, the, all the sheep and cattle... And horses and donkeys and crops and servants that Job had lost because of Satan's accusations, God restored unto Job double. Now, I've heard some people say that God also gave Job ten more children. I, I don't know. The Bible doesn't necessarily state that. But it's possible. But the Lord gave to Job twice as much as he had before. Now, This is so important for us to remember. Listen to me. At no time during all of this did God intend to destroy Job. Nor would he allow Job to be destroyed. Did you hear me? At no point did God intend to destroy Job. And he would not allow Satan to destroy Job either. You see, I want you to understand something. We put so much value in the things we have, don't we? We put so much value in our home, in our, in our jobs, in our health, in our car. and we put, so much, we put so much value and energy and effort into these things. And let me tell you something. God doesn't care about those things. Did you hear me? God, God said, okay, Satan, take, take his cattle, take his sheep, take his crops, take his servants, take his children. Do all of that, Satan. Go ahead. I, I, I'm not concerned about that because I can give him all of that right back. God is not concerned with all of that. He's concerned with what's in here. He's concerned with our heart. He's concerned with our obedience. He's concerned with our character and our commitment. Do you understand that you, God is not worried about how what you're going to eat or, or how, he's, how you're going to be clothed? Didn't Jesus say, take no thought for all of those things? Didn't Jesus tell us not to think about that? Not to be concerned about that? Didn't Jesus tell us that our Father knows that we have need of these things and he will be faithful to provide us with those things? But what are we to concern ourselves with? kingdom of God and his righteousness. We're to concern ourselves with glorifying the father. We're to concern ourselves with being obedient unto God. That's what we're to be concerned with. God was in control of this entire situation. There was nothing happening that God did not have control over. Even the affliction of Job's body in Job chapter 2 and verse 6 It says, The Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thine hand, but save his life. God would not allow Satan to to harm Job. God is in control. Sometimes people come to me and say, I don't know what I'm going to do about this. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Don't worry about it. God has control of it. God is in control. And by the way, if it be the will of God that we die, so be it. What happens when we die? Can anyone tell me? Amen, brother. What's so bad about that? Oh, I lose my house. What are you going to care? What are you going to care who lives in your house when you're walking the streets of gold? And what do you care about that house anyway? Because eventually it's going to be destroyed. It's not going to survive. Listen, if my if, if my death, and, and God, don't test me on this, but if my death can glorify God, so be it. What, what was the attitude of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Listen, king, throw me in the furnace if you want. I don't care. God will, God, if God wants to save me, he's going to save me. And if he doesn't, guess what? I'm going to be rid of you. So go ahead if you want and throw me in the fire, king. I don't care. But I'm not going to bow down to your God. What did King Nebuchadnezzar say? He looked down at said, Didn't we throw, hey, didn't we throw three guys in there? Yes, King, yeah, we threw three, yeah. Well, guess what? There's four of them in there now. And they're all walking around. And the fourth is like unto the Son of God. God got in the fire with them, didn't he? He wasn't going to let anything happen to them. And if, he, if it was his will for something to happen, he would have still went down into the fire with them and gathered them and took them down. Listen, folks, God is in control. He's in control of everything. You don't need to worry about what's going to happen in Congress because God is in control. We don't need to worry about all the things we worry about because all of our worry can't change it and we need to remember God is in control. The will of God shall be done in your life. God's will for you shall be done. Whether it's done joyfully or grudgingly, it's going to be done. We just need to concern ourselves with being with glorifying God, with worshiping him, with committing to Him, with obeying Him, and glorifying Him. That's what we need to do. God is a loving Father. When He allows trouble to come into our lives, it's for two reasons, and I'll be done quickly. First, letter A, to edify His children. He allows trouble into your life to to, to edify you, to build you up, to strengthen you, to grow you. He allows you to face things. He, he, he controls it. He doesn't let bat... He's not going to... He's not; nothing's going to happen that he doesn't have control of over. <clears throat> but he allows these things for your edification. Hebrews chapter twelve, and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children: My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? God allows these things into our lives oftentimes to edify us and to to build us up, to strengthen us. But then secondly, he allows things into our lives to exalt his name. What happened When Job did not curse God. Can anyone tell me? Satan's mouth was stopped. Wasn't it? And God was glorified, wasn't it? Satan did his best to cause Job to curse God. And he did not do it. And Satan had to shut up. My mother always told me, don't say that. But about Satan, we can say it. Satan had to be quiet and walk away. To exalt his name, Psalm 46 and verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Philippians chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with, that with all boldness, as, also, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Oh yes, God is in control. My purpose tonight was not to belittle anyone who Has any suffering or or is going through difficult times, that was not my purpose tonight. My purpose tonight is to remind all of us that our God reigns and that He will do all that He has purposed to do. So tonight, let us live with character. Let us us live in honesty, with integrity, adhering to morality, forsaking evil and evil ways. Tonight, let us face each challenge that comes our way with courage and confidence in the one who loves us and has redeemed us. And let us honor our commitments to God, not allowing the circumstances we face to determine when, where, and how we serve God. And let us glorify God in all we do, even in our sufferings. 1 Peter 4, verse 16 Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Have you considered God's servant Job? Have you compared your your character to his? Have you compared your commitment to his? Have you? Have you placed in in, in your life the confidence that he had in God to To be in control of all things. Well, there's a greater lesson than even Job, and that's Jesus. And we can live as he did, because it is he that lives in us. Let's glorify God with our lives. Let's let's stop living our life oblivious to the truth of God. Let's, Let's start Let's be like Job. Let's say, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for all you do for us. You are so good to us. And Lord, you're not good to us because we have food or money or houses. You're good to us, Lord, because it's in your nature and character to be good to us. You love us, Lord, with an unending love. You've sacrificed for us. And now, Lord, you've called on us to to live our lives to your glory, and if need be, suffer and glorify you in all things. So I pray you take this message tonight. I pray it would help us, that it would encourage us, and it would strengthen us. And may we live our lives to your glory, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California. If you would like further information about our church